Barnen Melon, and welcome back to Interesting Tales from Tolkien, a Podmoot. I'm Mel. And I'm Kristen. And this week, we are sitting down to recap the journey that was The Law of the Rings, The Two Towers. And this marks the end of Season 3 of Podmoot. Three seasons, Mel! Woo! Look at us go! We're on fire! And so is this story. Every single character in the story is in a state of crisis. Sounds about right for book two of a trilogy. <laughs> exactly. We need to have everything heightened up in the air. We all got to be worried what's going to happen next. So if you aren't clear what's happened in the story so far, please revisit the entire season of Podmoot or your local printed book or audiobook. Because today we're just going to be recapping kind of the highlights of the predictions, some of the ones that have come true, some of them that have been royal face plants, and then also some of our favorite moments in the book, favorite things that have been said, etc. Mel? Yes. Guess what? What? You don't have to be in the hot seat today. Oh, yes. Because we have this fantastic recap from Lincoln. The wizard Gandalf tells the hobbit Frodo Baggins his ring is the ring. Frodo and his gardener Sam leave the Shire with the ring, chased by the evil ringwraiths. Aragorn the ranger leads them to Rivendell. The Fellowship is formed there to destroy the ring and Mordor and defeat Sauron. They pass through the mines of Moriad and the forest of Lorien, losing Gandalf and Boromir on the way. Frodo and Sam break from the Fellowship and head to Mordor. Aragorn leads Gimli and Legolas to chase Saruman's orcs, but find Gandalf alive instead. They rally the kingdom of Rohan to defeat Saruman with the help of the trees. And now, for one of our favorite alternate lens readers, we have this amazing recap of The Two Towers from John. Book three begins with the brave orcish freedom fighters taking down Gondor's shining aristocratic first son, Boromir. A good start made by the forces of the revolution. The remaining princelings of the fellowship decide to chase after Merry and Pippin. After a long jog, they meet up with the Nazi pony club of Rohan, which wants to murder anyone from horseback who dares to walk across their pastures. Meanwhile, Merry and Pippin have snuck away from the brutish working-class orcs and into the forest. There they meet Ents, and really, with a worldview of thousands of years, aristocratic bloodlines probably help keep the humans sorted, so they're all in favour of knocking proletarian revolution on the head. Evil wizard Gandalf pops up back from the dead and takes the princes off to see the Nazi pony club king, convincing him that class solidarity is the best way to protect his family's feudal domination of the land. The orcs battle the pony club up in Helm's Deep, but instead of starving the bastards out like rats in a trap, try good old frontal assault across open ground to the usual predictable result. An army of trees eats the orcs and everyone is okay with that. Meanwhile, the ants have trashed Isengard and a palantir gets hoiked at our aristocratic murder hobos. Interesting to note that one thing in common with the works of Fionor, Palantir, Silmarils, and his grandson Celebrimbor, Rings of Power, appears to be the uncontrollable lust they create to possess them to the great woe of the world. Okay, Mel, I don't know which part of that I like best, whether it's the Nazi Pony Club or everyone's okay with that. <laughs> I like the aristocratic murder hobos because murder hobos <laughs> is completely a D&D reference and Lord of the Rings so heavily inspired D&D. Well, Kristen, I think we should be diving into this one. And I'm going to let you pick. Would you like your successes first, the ones where you got the predictions right? Or would you like to laugh along with me with some that were very off base that I enjoyed? I'm going to leave this one in your hands, Mel. 
Do you want to laugh with me first or laugh at me first? (laughs) I'll laugh at you so then I can soften it by laughing with you. How's that sound? Okay. So my favorite false prediction remains. You actually said at the end of Fellowship of the Ring and we debunked it in the first chapter of The Two Towers, but Boromir versus Aragorn, civil war in Gondor. That still remains one of my favorite bad predictions just because I love it so much. Like, I want to read that story now. And you got to admit, had Boromir lived, there would have continued to be tension between Aragorn and Boromir, regardless of Boromir's level of repentance or not. I actually wonder if there's not going to be some sort of tension between Faramir and Aragorn, but we'll have to wait and see. Read and find out. The other one I liked was that for a few times during the book three, so Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli's story and Gandalf's story in the Two Towers, you kept wanting us to run into Radagast. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to see him. You're like, he's going to come up anytime, 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 any moment. I did love, as part of my review and preparation for this recording, I went back over The Hobbit, as well as The Fellowship and The Two Towers. And I didn't remember that Radagast shows up in The Hobbit as well. So, I mean, I knew he was in the movies, but I forgot that there's a little nod to him in The Hobbit book. So clearly I need to see my buddy very soon. (laughs) So those ones are the ones I enjoyed as being incorrect predictions. Then we had some that Kinda were right, but not really. Kinda. So you kept wanting Gollum to make a play for the ring, and you're predicting this throughout book four. Just this chapter is going to make a play. <laughs> this chapter is going to make a play. So, you know, if you keep guessing long enough, it's bound to come true, right? <laughs> I guess the odds are in my favor or something. <laughs> so we did get there eventually in Shelob's lair. He did make a play for the ring. It was quite a. I'm not going to say subtle. It was. Clever in that he wasn't directly going to harm Frodo and get the ring. His hope was that Shelob would get rid of Frodo and not caring for the ring would cast it aside and Gollum would pick it up. And you said that to escape Gollum, Frodo would put on the ring. Well, once again, not correct, but Sam did take the ring after the fight with Shelob and he put it on. I knew something had to happen with Gollum. I still actually don't think we're done with Gollum. I think we're going to see him in the last book too. He just is hiding out in Shelob's lair for right now. All right. Are you ready for your victories? Yes. Let's have the happy dance. Gandalf is not dead. Gandalf is not dead. Well, at least no longer. No longer. I'm like, I'm still going to, you know, he did die. Legitimately, he died and got sent back. Now, This is one thing that I said, though, I can't remember which episode it was, but I did say Gandalf is alive, his body was defeated, and he's maybe immortal or something, but he's coming back. So I kind of threw that in there, not really knowing if it was true, but it turns out he is immortal, and he just gets a new version of himself now. Like a Time Lord. Is that really a thing? He's a Time Lord? No! No! I don't know what a Time Lord is. Oh, you don't know Doctor Who? That surprises me. I don't. That will be our next podcast. Our next podcast. Got it. We're doing a Doctor Who one. I am here for it. (laughs) 
You just like to know all the things and watch me flounder in not knowing any of the things. Oh, we are so doing Doctor Who next. <laughs> a few years away, a few years away. We've got the Silmarillion. We've got all the movies. We've got to do our reread. It'll be a few years. <laughs> so I like this one because it turned out to be a pun and you didn't even know it. You had predicted that Saruman had wormed his way into Edoras with the King of the Mark. <laughs> And it was so subtle that you and I didn't even catch it until we had a listener point out to us that I had said that. It just slipped under the radar. It totally did. The wording slipped. Because obviously you had predicted that something was going on with Saruman in the market. I'm like, yeah, something's going on. But it was the wording. The wording was just so perfect. I said he had weaseled or wormed. And sure (laughs) enough. He had wormed. Then you predicted about the Palantir being a way that Saruman and Sauron could communicate with one another. But Fanor did nothing wrong. But Fanor did nothing wrong. So that's your predictions. What was your favourite moment from this book, do you think? I'll give you two, one for book three and one for book four. Okay, well, I'm going to have to pick one dramatic moment and one comedic moment. So my favourite dramatic moment is actually after the Battle of Helm's Deep, when the Hurons come through and just vacuum everything up. I just thought that was so incredible. And the power that the trees have in general, but that that was actually the end of all of Saruman's orcs was so cool. I mean, I could probably do like a top 10 or something. We, we could do that like on another recap some other time. My favorite comedic moment... I think is Marion Pippin as the doorwards of Isengard. I really enjoy that moment as well. Sort of drunk and high Marion Pippin. Marion Pippin are just next level. They just make this book so much more fun to read because they've come on a holiday pretty much in my books. They're like, oh yeah, we're just here. Oops. Being kidnapped, that wasn't in the plan. But anyways, now we're with trees, now we've defeated someone, now we're just going to sit and smoke, it's all good. Well, and especially since in the Fellowship, Mary was the one in charge of getting them all together, and Pippin was complaining the whole time, and then they basically bullied Lord Elrond into being able to come. They were much more feisty. And now they're just like, oh, hey, dudes, this is great. Yeah, they're having a lovely, lovely holiday. They're very much Bilbo's. Where it's like, all this disastrous stuff's happening, but it's fine. On reflection, it's fine. Let's look at it fondly. Okay, I do have a couple of honorable mention moments, though. The Return of Gandalf, the White. I mean, how can that not be one of the top moments, maybe, of all three books put together? I mean, I haven't read the third one yet. And I also love the bit where Pippin has gotten caught with the Palantir and Gandalf says every wizard needs a hobbit or two to hang around. (laughs) Like, I love those two moments with Gandalf. Gandalf is awesome. And I love him as uh, Gandalf the White because he's a bit different, but he's still Gandalf. So what about book four? What were your favorite moments in book four? My favorite dramatic moment, I think, is when... Shelob ends up impaling herself on Sam's raised elvish sword because I thought that was just the best instance of karma ever. That's my favorite dramatic moment. 
And then I think my favorite comedic moment is Gollum coming up out of the pool with a half-eaten fish in his mouth and another one in his hand and Frodo trying to summon him. And Gollum's like, not ready, master. (laughs) I know what that's like, having pets, especially the dog. You summon the dog and it's like, it's time to go. And he looks at you, but I'm not ready to go. I'm still playing (laughs) or I'm still chasing this. I'm still doing this. I don't want to. Animals always have the truth. We humans have learned manners and politeness and all this other stuff. And animals are just like, no, I don't want that. (laughs) Well, what about you, Mel? You didn't share your favorite moments yet. So I think, and this is really hard for me to pick because I really like book three. And I'm sitting here right now even going, oh, this one or that one, this one or that one. I think for dramatic, it has to be the return of Gandalf in the Forest of Fangor, where Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are, you know, thinking it's Saruman, and then he reveals himself, and oh, it's so good. Comedic, I'm actually stuck between two. One being their arrival at Edoras and Aragorn being a bit arrogant, shall we say, about putting his sword down, (laughs) being like, why should Aragorn, son of Arathorn, heir of all these great houses, do this? And it's like, because it's not your house. (laughs) (laughs) And that's tied with Merry and Pippin at the gates of Isengard because that's such a good moment. As for book four, I think my favourite dramatic moment is the conversation and there's so many, but the conversation between Frodo and Faramir where they get to talk about Boromir and everything is that tension as you find out that Boromir was actually Faramir's brother, but then as they keep talking, you realise they're so their ambitions are so different and that Faramir has no care for things like the ring and knows it would lead to the ruin of Minas Tirith. And I share the favourite comedic moment with you, Gollum coming out, fish in mouth, fish in hand, not ready to leave yet. <laughs> Gollum is better in a tale than he is as a companion, as our dear friend Sam says. Okay, so I did write down a few things from my going back and looking at previous books that I'm not sure if they're breadcrumbs or not, but I do just want to kind of throw them out there. They're things that I'm thinking about as we move forward into Return of the King. I am really watching out for all the rest of the rings. We know where the nine are, and supposedly we know where one of the three elvish rings are. We know where three of the dwarf rings are, and the rest of them are destroyed, but I'm not sure that we actually know that. So that's actually one of my questions, because we know that Dane was approached by Black Riders a couple of times, but we don't really know what the end of that scenario was. We don't know if he gave the rings over. We're pretty sure he didn't give them over, but was there some... Uh, Just pause. Dane doesn't have a ring. We do know what happened to all seven, thanks to the Hobbit movies. Four were consumed by Dragonfire. Two have gone back to Sauron, and they weren't sure about one, but Sauron got that one. So Sauron has three, and four were destroyed. Okay. And that's only because of the Hobbit movie that we know that. So was that something that's in some other writings or? Yeah, somewhere in the writings, but I'm pretty sure it's not in this main story. I think it's in the extended. You've seen my bookshelf where there's like seven different books just about Tolkien's notes and that's not even all of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's somewhere in there. Well, and I know his son has started some of that. And- yeah, his son, his son did a lot of that, but his son has passed away. And then the Elvish rings, we know that Galadriel has one, and we don't know where the other two are. Okay. Well, not officially in this. Frodo doesn't know where the other two are. Our narrator. Well, and so this is what I'm saying. Like, I'm wondering where they are. And if that's going to play into this somehow, I mean, it has to play into it somehow, not knowing where they are, just putting a pin in that. I also wonder about these dreams of Frodo's that we kept seeing. Some of them we would see come true, or at least what we thought was come true, like a few chapters later. So like we saw perhaps the rescue of Gandalf. We saw the black shadows in the Shire, like that hasn't come true yet. We saw Frodo up on a cliff and climbing some stairs. We have seen that, I think, now at the end of this book. But then there were trees being felled and thrown into a brick furnace. We haven't seen that yet. There were all these other things about the sea and a ship from the west and a white fortress with seven towers and a ship with the white tree banner. We haven't seen any of those things yet. So I'm going to be looking for all of that. So the trees and the furnace, dreams can be symbolic, but also we didn't see it overtly, but we know Saruman was cutting down the trees of Fangorn to use them to fuel the fires of Isengard. Mm, okay, good point. So, hmm. But yes, let's keep looking out for things from Frodo's dreams. Any more breadcrumbs? There is this reference to a different kind of power being in the Shire. And I didn't know if that was a latent reference to the ring being in the Shire all those years, or if it's now that the ring is out of the Shire, there is still some other kind of power that's there. And I'm wondering, because we know that there's been traffic between Bree and Isengard, if the Shire isn't going to somehow be involved in the future part of the story, if this other power is not referring to the ring, if it's referring to like the power of the simple hobbits and their tenacity, or I I just, I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. We hadn't really talked about that. Hmm, Let's read and find out. So there's this reference to the ring being worn with the desire to see the other rings. And so I'm wondering if that's not something that happens in the next book. If somehow, I mean, Sam has it now, but if he somehow tries to contact Gladriel and her ring, I, I'm just, I thought, oh, I hadn't noticed that before that the the one ring can see the other rings, or if in putting it on, Sam can see the Nazgul. Well, Frodo could see the true form of the Nazgul when he put on the ring. Mm-hmm. Also, we've got the ring verse that says, one ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them, referring to the other rings, one ring to bring all the other rings together. Well, we've already seen the power to draw. We've seen the black riders be drawn to the one ring. So yeah, I'm very curious what all of that ends up meaning. Ready to move on to predictions? Sure. Just for ease, let's start by guessing, well, predicting what's going to happen to each of our various characters. And because he's my favorite, let's start with Aragorn. Well, Aragorn is the returning king. And we already know that he has been sent to Helm's Deep and... Oh, I forget. Is he going to Helm's Deep or Edoras? He's going back to Edoras. I think there's going to be 
another reunification with Lady Eowyn, and there's going to be this pledge. There's going to be the marshalling of the forces of the Rohirrim and all of their allies. Just quickly, when you say a pledge, a pledge to Eowyn? Yes, I think they're going to start their official relationship. I think Aragorn will finally send Legolas and Gimli as part of this, like, we need help. And because Legolas and Gimli are friends, I've already been predicting they are going to unite the dwarves and elves against Sauron in a way they've never been united before. So he will arrive in Gondor with the Rohirrim? Yes. Presuming he's going to Gondor since that's where he's going to be a king. Yes. I also think there will be, if not a confrontation, there will be some further conversations about history about why Aragorn's people are the true leaders as opposed to the descendants of the stewards that we had heard about at the end of book three. And I think Aragorn is ultimately the one in charge of the battle. Gandalf is always, you know, making things happen, but Gandalf is going to come and go. So I think Aragorn is the one who's in charge of the battle. When we say the battle, are we saying the battle? The War of the Ring, yes, the big battle, the battle for Minas Tirith, and then ultimately, okay, so this is actually a good time to talk about, like, what is that, the Battle of Minas Tirith? So I think it is everything that I've been predicting, all these people. So it's the elves of the woodlands, it's the elves from Lorien, it's the dwarves from Erebor, it's men from Dale and from all over the Northeast, the ones that have not yet been corrupted by Sauron. We already know that orcs have been attacking these various places, presumably with the idea of preventing them from joining the big war. But I think ultimately there's the final battle is Minas Tirith and that it's going to rely on reinforcements from these other places. And I think Aragorn is the captain of all of it, just like he has been every time Gandalf goes away. I do also think that the Palantir and whatever its brothers and sisters, like it's clear there's more than one, like I think those are going to play a role. Sauron clearly still has one and wherever the other ones are, they are going to be used to disseminate information and perhaps false information is going to be sent to try to win advantages in the battles. Who's going to send false information? I think once Sauron realizes that it's Sauron's Palantir that has been taken, that then he's going to use that to his advantage. And so Sauron is going to be the one who is at first using them to gather his own forces Gandalf has already said he's very glad he didn't try to use it, but I think he might try in the next book. Gandalf left the Palantir with Aragorn and rode away with Pippin. That's right. So I I think maybe even if it's sort of like how Pippin was drawn to it and the curiosity got the better of it, I think there's somebody on the good side of the Gondor forces who tries to use it for their purposes. Whether that goes well or not, I have no idea. Yeah, but I do think the Palantirs show up again for sure, and they're influential in the battle. I also think all of those other elves that we met at the Council of Elrond and the beginning part of the story, Glorfindel, Elrond's sons, Galdor of the Havens, like, like I think all these people are going to play a role, and Thranduil as well. A bit of Avengers Assemble? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you predicted that Aragorn is the returning king, 
But is he going to survive all of this? Is he going to make it to the end of the story and be the king at the end? Or is it going to be, you know, I'm king, I bring hope, and then I die in this last glorious battle? I've already predicted Aragorn's not going to make it to the end of the story, and I'm sticking to that. I think that's what the beware of the dead means. I think the Nazgul are ultimately his downfall. Just like Thorin did not survive to be king under the mountain and Dain had to then rule Erebor. I don't think Aragorn is alive at the end of the story. So he doesn't get to marry Eowyn. Well, I don't know about that. I don't Marriage is such a different kind of thing in every world. Like, I do think they're pledged to each other. All right, then. Shall we move on to Gandalf? Okay. Gandalf has ridden away with Pippin into the night. What's going to happen? Gandalf is the first of that group to arrive in Gondor. The whole point of that was to get Pippin away from all of that. And also, I think Gandalf is on a scouting mission to find out just how bad the cards are stacked against Minas Tirith. I'm a little unclear of how the timeline matches up between the vision and the Palantir and the near to the end of book four when we saw the Witch King march out with the army from Minas Morgul. Like, I'm assuming that's close to the same time. The Palantir happens days before because we have, I think it's in the marshes. We have the narrator tell us that while Frodo was wading through the marshes, Gandalf was battling with Saruman. I'm pretty sure it's that chapter, but they are days apart with the Palantir occurring at least several days beforehand. Rohan is not small and Shadowfax may be fast, but it's going to take Gandalf a bit to get there. But I think Gandalf gets to Gondor and is able to warn them that the battle is coming but they are drastically undermatched to the forces that have been gathering in Mordor for some time. And we know that it's not just the army of the Wraiths. I'm assuming that all those people, all those beings that were following the Witch King out of the gates are further people that they've turned into Wraiths. Like Frodo was about to become a Wraith when he was wounded. Like I'm assuming that's what that was, was like an army of undead. I'm 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 gonna let you know no, they can't just turn people into raids. It's not simple or easy. Yes, it could have happened to Frodo, but their forces are mostly men of the east, orcs, trolls, and that kind of that's kind of pretty much the basic of their army. Turning people into races isn't just something you go around doing. Okay, cool. So it's not like vampires or No. Okay, well, I mean, that, it, that, thank you. That doesn't actually change any of my predictions. I just wondered how hard it was going to be to kill the Wraith. We already know it's not easy to kill a Wraith. At the ford on the way to Rivendell, their horses were destroyed, but they were not. They were disembodied or something. But then they've resurrected their ability to travel, and they are very much back at play again. I think Gandalf is going to continue to come in and out of the story because wizard's going to wizard. I think he's going to show up and be a part of the rescue at key moments. But I also think he's going to be away and he can only be physically in one place at the same time anyway. I wonder if there is not a final confrontation between Gandalf and Sauron And if that's not the end of Sauron after the ring is destroyed, which, of course, we all know the ring has to be destroyed or otherwise the story, like, why the hell is the story being written? Um, I know you're going to ask me about the ring, but 
I'm just going to assume that the ring does get into the cracks. And I'm assuming it gets into the cracks with enough time that Sauron actually can be finally destroyed. And I think Gandalf is the only one who's powerful enough to do it. I think it is likely going to drain him so much that he disappears from view for a while after that. And that that may be one of the final acts of the story. And Gandalf is weakened to the extent that he's then not able to protect some of the other more vulnerable members of the good side. So like he's not there to rescue Aragorn from the Nazgul. I also don't think that defeating Sauron automatically defeats the Nazgul. Even if the ring is destroyed and Sauron is destroyed, they still have to be destroyed. It just might be easier to destroy them. Did that make any sense? I'm going to read it sort of back to you. So after the ring is destroyed, Gandalf is going to have a face-off with Sauron. He will win, but it will drain him so much that he sort of vanishes and we don't really know what happens to him perhaps ever. It means that he's not there to rescue Aragorn in Aragorn's battle against the Nazgul, which takes Aragorn out because the Nazgul are not defeated when the ring's destroyed and Sauron's destroyed. That sounds good. All right. I know part of this prediction... I'm going to put them together, Legolas and Gimli. I know that you're going to pre- you're predicting that they have to go and gather the elves and the dwarves and the men of Dale all together for this big battle. But what's going to happen to them? Well, I've already predicted that I think Legolas is going to die as well and that Gimli is going to survive the whole story, which I also believe is true still. How will Legolas die? Well, both Aragorn and Legolas are told to beware of the sea, and there's going to be this cry of the gull. I haven't talked about birds in a while, but I'm assuming that the role of birds as messengers is still going to be important. The cry of the gull is the warning. So maybe it's that the gull sees the forces or the person. I I mean... I keep predicting that Aragorn's going to be killed by one of the Nazgul. It's possible that Legolas is as well. I don't think it's quite that simple for Legolas, but I don't have a clear answer to that one yet. All right. Anything else you want to predict for Legolas and Gimli? I think there's going to be some difficulty in getting both the Wood Elves and the Dwarves to collaborate, and they're going to have to have a lot of conversations Whether that's Legolas and Gimli splitting up and going to their own peoples, I think that's ultimately what's going to be at some point. But I think they go together and they demonstrate their friendship and why it's important. I also think there's a bit of shade thrown at Thranduil by letting Gollum escape in the first place. I think Legolas is going to continue, just like we saw in the Hobbit movies, how valuable he was in battle. I think that's going to continue. I think he and Gimli are going to keep their orc counts going (laughs) into the hundreds. Yeah, I think that's going to cover it for Legolas and Gimli. Now, I want to say Merry and Pippin, but they've been split. So let's go Merry and then Pippin. (laughs) It feels wrong that they're apart. Pippin is with Gandalf, and I think Pippin is just scared out of his mind right now. I think Merry and Pippin will be reunited before Frodo and Sam are reunited. I think Pippin is going to be kind of like at Isengard. I think he's going to be just set over to the side and not a part of anything important until Gandalf can pass him off. Like I could see him talking to Faramir's father. Sorry, I can't come up with his name right now. Denethor. 
I can see Gandalf having an audience with Denethor and saying, this is my most noble hobbit friend. Keep watch over him until his friends arrive. And then Pippin just has a grand old time in the cellars of the king or something. Like, I, I could totally see something like that. And you think he has a grand old time? You know, people are fighting and dying outside and he's there going, I have... Maybe let me, let me put on my Pippin accent. I have a lovely paint. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lovely pint of something. I'm not even going to try. I'm going to stop there. I think Pippin has already been the instigator of two disasters. He woke up the Balrog by dropping that stone down the well in the Mines of Moria. And he activated the Palantir even after being told not to touch it. So I'm wondering, third time's charm, what is the third disaster? And I could totally see him while having a good time there in the palaces of Gondor, stumbling upon something like a sacred book where kind of like the Sorcerer's Apprentice, he reads a magic spell he's not supposed to read. Like I could totally see him, quote unquote, innocently causing yet another disaster in this book. So that's my prediction for Pippin. You asked about Mary. Mary is shyer, and I think he's going to be content to just go along and watch and maybe prove useful if he needs to sneak in and out of someplace small. Like, he's going to Helm's Deep, right? He is currently staying with Aragorn, is what was pretty much said. He's being left with Aragorn. Well, I had predicted that Aragorn was going to be on Hobbit duty at the end of book three. And so, yes, Aragorn's on Hobbit duty. So is he going to help Aragorn be sneaky if Aragorn needs someone to sneak? Is he going to go elsewhere? Is his path going to diverge? Is he going to go with Legolas and Gimli? Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. I don't think he goes with Legolas and Gimli. I think he stays with Aragorn and company. Oh, sorry. No, you're sorry. You've been correct the whole time. Yes, they are going back to Helm's Deep first. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. They're going back to Helm's Deep first. I'm so sorry. Aragorn as well. Gandalf and Pippin have gone. Aragorn and company and Theoden are all going back to Helm's Deep first. Right. So I think Mary is going to be like, he's going to be the project manager. I could see him being put in charge of the kitchens because they've got a lot of people. They're trying to reunite the troops that have been scattered by the Battle of Isengard and the stuff that came before the Battle of Helm's Deep. I think Mary is going to be very busy, you know, assistant project manager. I do think all that stuff I said about Lady Eowyn and Aragorn happens. It probably happens later in the story. I think Legolas and Gimli do split off. Like, I I don't, that doesn't change anything that they're going to Helm's Deep first. Mm. Um, Yeah. I think there are more troops that come from Edoras to join them, led by Lady Eowyn, and they come later. Okay. They come where, though? Because Helm's Deep's in the opposite direction to Gondor, if you look at a map. Right. So I I think that the group with Aragorn is going through Helm's Deep to gather all the people that were waiting that didn't go to Isengard, and then they're going to Edoras, and then they're going on to Gondor. Yep. All of them. Now, do you remember, you probably, actually, I know you don't, that before they rode off to Helm's Deep for that battle that Theoden ordered for the rest of Rohan's army to be marshaled in Dunharrow? No, I didn't remember that. Hang on, where's Don Harrow? Uh, I'm not sure if it appears on the map, but it's further towards Gondor. No, it doesn't appear on the map, I'm afraid. But trust me, it's further east. Well, the fact that it's not on the map leads me to believe that they don't spend a lot of time there. 
So I'm going just going to refocus you because you forgot about Mary. So they go to Helm's Deep. Mary's put in charge of the kitchens. Is he left there? What happens? I don't think he would allow himself to be left. I think whenever Aragorn moves, that Mary goes with him. And I just like, I think Pippin stays with Gandalf until he's left, maybe to a similar fate in Gondor. Ultimately, I think Mary and Pippin get reunited in Gondor. So whenever Aragorn arrives in Gondor, I think Mary does too. And are Mary and Pippin going to survive the story? Ouch. Oh, all these character deaths are going to kill me. Yes, I think they end up back in the Shire. I think Sam survives as well. I'm not sure if Frodo survives yet. I'm not sure. Anything else for Merry or Pippin? No. Okay. Let's go Sam and we'll do Frodo La. Oh, no, let's... Yeah, we'll do our fellowship, then we'll do other characters. So, Sam. Sam is in possession of the ring and the sword, the elvish sword, and he's stuck outside. He knows Frodo's alive, but he doesn't know how to get in. I don't think he is leaving that passageway and leaving Frodo there with the orcs, knowing he's alive. I think at some point, there has to be somebody else in that part of the story other than Frodo and Sam and the ring. I think there has to be some good characters that arrive. Now, maybe the folks from Merc would come down that way. Maybe the men of Dale come down that way. But I do think at some point there are other forces that come into Mordor from the north without having to cross the river. So they're already on the other side of the Anduin. It's still a long way down south to where Frodo and Sam are. If Frodo manages to get away from the orcs, I think he and Sam are going to ultimately be reunited I know you've asked me about Sam, but I think they get reunited, so I'm going to talk about them together. No, no, that's okay. What I was going to say is, does Frodo escape, or is he rescued by Sam, or somebody else? The orcs and the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern leaders of that group of orcs keep getting messages from the Nazgul and the leadership. I think there's going to be another message to those orcs that are in charge, and they are going to move Frodo. Frodo is going to wake up and somehow get away. I think Sam plays a role, but I also think there's somebody else who helps them. I don't know if it's like Faramir and the troops. I don't think it's that. I think it's somebody we haven't met yet. And they are engaged in battle with the orcs, and Frodo and Sam manage to slip away. Okay. So... You predicted that Sam survives, but you're not sure that Frodo will? I think Frodo has already been wounded a number of times. I mean, he was wounded by the Nazgul. He most recently has this spider venom that I think is going to continue. Everything that has already happened to Frodo is going to continue to weaken him. He's going to get the ring back from Sam when they're reunited, and it is going to continue to weigh on him. We've also seen that the ring is making him paler. And I've already predicted that I don't think Frodo is the one who actually throws it into the cracks. I actually think that's going to be up to Sam. I think that's the bit of the quest that has been referenced several times that Sam's to do. I think it is Sam's job 
because Frodo won't have the strength or whatever. But does Frodo survive? Once the ring is destroyed, it no longer has that power to extend his life. And I think it is quite possible. I'm not 100% sure. But I think it is quite possible that Frodo's injuries and the effects of all of this are just too much. And he doesn't make it back home to the Shire. And they have to bury him along the way or do something like they did for Boromir on the river. Like, I don't, I'm not 100% sure Frodo makes it back to the Shire. Okay. Gollum. I think that's an important character who we need to know what happens to him. He's currently hiding out in Shelob's lair or somewhere near there. I think whatever ends up being the next orc activity Gollum is so good at just hiding behind things, following along, snuffling along the ground. I think he continues to follow Sam and Frodo, and they're not going to connect again. But I do think he's there at the very end as well. And what's he doing there at the very end? Just watching? Watches Sam throw it in and just goes, oh, okay, that's over. (laughs) Don't we wish? That doesn't sound very much like the final boss battle. I think there's likely a large number of different forces that are around the cracks of doom. Somewhere during Return of the King, if not already by now in between the books, Sauron has got to figure out what's going on. Once he realizes from the Palantir that the hobbits are no longer with Sauron, he's going to figure out pretty quickly what's going on. And he's going to start guarding the cracks of doom in some way. I also think there will be some forces of good that end up over there. And I think there's quite the showdown, but ultimately it will also involve Gollum. It could very well involve men or elves or dwarves or somebody else. I, I don't I don't have enough information yet. But I think Gollum is in the final scene of the ring. And I think he is continuing to steal it up until the very last minute. I have already predicted that the only person who could potentially kill Gollum is Frodo under the power of the ring. I actually think Gollum is there at the very end and weeping at the loss of his precious. And he could even then kill himself because he can't imagine life without the precious. All right. And we're very quickly going to speed run through some characters we've met along the way. Theoden. Theoden is going to attend part of the battle and be one of the casualties. Eomer. Eomer is the head of the Rohirrim in the battle and is very effective for a time. But I also think he dies in the battle. Eowyn. Eowyn is pledged to Aragorn. I believe she wields Orchrist. I had already predicted that Orchrist has some kind of magical powers. So I am going to predict that she is supposed to kill the Witch King. Because the only way to kill the Nazgul is with some special weapon. And that that's literally the only thing I can think of that we haven't seen yet that could potentially kill the Nazgul is that. So that I'm just, that's a wild guess. But Lady Eowyn, <laughs> I feel like I'm in a game of Clue. Lady Eowyn on the Witch King of Angmar with Orchrist <laughs> at the Battle of Gondor. And she survives or dies? She survives. And mourns Aragorn. And hopefully her brother and uh, uncle. Right, all of them. Yeah, Yeah, all of them. (laughs) Gets to live in mourning. Faramir. 
I think Faramir becomes king in place of Aragorn. And anything else, anyone else, anything you want to address before we finish up? Well, I had previously predicted that there is a reuniting of Gimli with Lady Galadriel as part of the funeral procession for Legolas. I think when the One Ring is destroyed, that it also does destroy the Elvish Rings, and so Lothlorien is fading. So I'm wondering if that means that Galadriel dies and she ends up at the Grey Havens and Celeborn and like all of them. I think if Lorien is fading in my mind from what you've told me about the elves, there's like a big funeral procession and they all have to leave Middle Earth and go over there. Now, I could be totally wrong and maybe I just misunderstood what you told me. So you've heard right that if the One Ring is destroyed, it will also destroy the Elvish Rings. Galadriel told us that. And we've been told that all the elves have to leave Middle-earth because they're losing their magic. So I think there's this big procession of elves then at the destruction. And that probably means Rivendell has to be emptied as well. And I, I don't know, maybe Lord Elrond and Galadriel and Celeborn, all of them, they all end up at the Havens and there's no more elves in Middle-earth in this age, at least. Okay, that makes me very sad. If that's really true, that makes me so sad. Well, I guess... You're just going to have to read and find out. One last thing, actually. I need to tell you the name of next week's chapter when we dive into Return of the King. Okay. Let me see if I have anything else to say after that. The chapter title is Minas Tirith. Well, I think we are viewing the chapter through Gandalf and Pippin's lens and potentially also through Denethor's eyes. We are seeing what has been going on there with marshalling the forces of good, and they are going to be watching the forces of Mordor gathering across the river, and we are going to be in serious preparations for war. And Pippin is going to be the steward and getting himself into some casks of wine or something. (laughs) All right, then, everybody. Homework for next week is to start The Return of the King and read the first chapter, Minas Sorry, my dog's having a bath right behind the microphone right now. Excuse me. Hi. You need to sit quietly. Narrow will not stop licking himself. Narrow, hey, stop. Lie down. Good boy. Yeah, just have a snap. Have a nap. Do you want a pillow? Mum will give you a pillow. You have pillow, yeah, and you stop licking and you have nap on pillow, yeah? Good boy. He's like, oh, thanks, Mum. Pillow, wag, wag, wag behind the microphone instead. Thanks for joining us. If you want to find us on social media, We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Podmoot. Our email address is podmoot at gmail.com and our website is podmoot.com. If you'd like to contact me personally, I'm at Mel Bickett on Twitter and Instagram. Kristen, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Kristen Conducts. Norvera Mellon, until we meet again. Bye, y'all.